0: what up what up this your boy Kojak and I'm here with a very special guest Peoria own Passport Lewis and first off I just want to say man I appreciate you coming through this means a lot
1: definitely yeah I appreciate being here and appreciate you having me
0: so uh my, my first question uh, can you just give a little bit a uh, little bit of background on
1: yourself yeah definitely so I've been doing music now for man probably about 15 years Started writing music when I was 12. Started performing when I was 12 or 13. And just been in the music scene heavy here in Peoria and and the surrounding Illinois area for quite a while now. And just continue to grind. Been doing it uh, seriously for about the last five years. And yeah, it's just... That's my main passion. And uh,
0: what was uh, some of the influences that uh, drove you to become a rapper?
1: So my brother... Who has been doing production And he was in a group Rap group back in the day Ever since I was a child He always used to make beats In my parents basement And so I used to just Hang out with him Listen to different beats And one day he was like Yo I want you to try to Write a rap to this one And I was like You know I have no idea What that means Or even how to do that So he kind of coached me along Gave me the strategy So showed me the way And then I wrote my first rap Like I said when I was 12 And I just never looked back Okay And
0: uh since being from Peoria, it was a lot of we kind of known for basketball, you know, mm-hmm. coming up that way. So uh, who was uh you said mentioned your brother? So what um music did you grow up listening to that kind of gave you the feel, even the rhythm for rap?
1: Yeah. So when I was younger, I was I was big in the East Coast rap. And that's pretty much all I would listen to. So, Nas is my favorite artist of all time. But I listen to a lot of Redman and Mob Deep and Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul, Big Daddy Kane, the list goes on. And so, that was heavy, you know, the music I was listening to heavy early on, and which really made me want to start rapping. But then I think my style kind of evolved. I started listening to West Coast rap and then started listening to Down to South rap. And I feel like I've taken elements from all those different regions and put it into my style.
0: I'm a uh, big uh, East Coast guy, too. I actually uh, love Jay-Z. Okay. To me, he the greatest. Okay. What's your uh, favorite Nas album?
1: Uh, my favorite, I mean, I, I mean, you gotta say Illmatic, Illmatic. but um, second to that would be I Am. I like, I uh, Believe So Help Me God. Okay. That's yeah, that's my
0: favorite Nas one. Okay. Uh, All right. So, uh, can you describe your uh, rap style?
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I feel like it's a combination of a lot of different regions and has a lot of different regional characteristics. And when people hear me, that the first thing they say is, you know, I can't really tell where you're from. You know, where are you from? And they hear elements from, from different areas. So, I think it's more like a hybrid. Of all the stuff that I listened to over the years, and then just the way we talk and our slang here in Peoria, um, so you know, I think it's a unique global sound for sure.
0: Yeah, cause um, even when I watched your, uh, when you rapped on Sway, they were kind of taken back by how unorthodox your style was. Yeah, I don't, we don't really have a sound here yet, cause I believe the Midwest is kind of a melting pot, cause we kind of took from everywhere, cause we only had a couple artists really make it from Twist to Kanye to Common mm-hmm. and to Lupe now we got Chicago scene. now it's completely different mm-hmm. so when you came it was kind of a, a breath of fresh air to their, to their ears and to mine cause coming from Peoria I didn't know our sound until I heard you and I was like yeah this is crazy
1: yeah definitely I appreciate so, it um, yeah, that definitely
0: was dope to me for sure thank you so uh, what, uh, what how do you feel about uh, the Peoria music scene when you came up
1: so when I came up, it was a lot different because, you know, because of technology nowadays it's allowed everyone to, to pursue it or call themselves a rapper or et cetera. When I came up, there was only a handful of people. You know, you had to go to a real studio to make a video. You had to spend thousands of dollars to, to get, the, get your music out there. You had to have, you know, assistance from a label or do a lot of uh, a physical distribution yourself nowadays you know if you got a laptop you got a phone you can make a video you know if you got fruity loops you can make a beat you know you can put an album on in a matter of a couple of days and instantly have an audience but when i came up it wasn't like that so um you know which is cool because it now gives other people that may not have had the financial resources and ability to, to get themselves seen and heard um so it's just kind of interesting me growing up in two different eras like when i first started the way it is the way it was and then You know, the Mm -hmm. way it's gotten to now.
0: How was um, Peoria Radio embraced back then as far as were they involved in the community as well?
1: You mean as far as supporting local artists? Uh, I I think they were a lot more involved back then. And like I said, I think that had to do with, you know, there was only a select few doing it. Mm -hmm. I think now it's such a big pot of artists, yeah. and, you know, they, they definitely haven't been behind like yeah. they were back in the day yeah. at I, all.
0: I kill them as much as I can over here. Yeah. With it, because, I mean, and it's, it's so many opportunities we have here now, because, I mean, we got a venue at the Riverfront mm-hmm. you can use. We got Soul Fest, um, Gospel Fest down there. Why not have some type of hip-hop show for the communities around this area, because, I mean peoria other than chicago and rockford peoria is really the, the next city mm-hmm. that people think of so we got bloomington galesburg all these places around us that would come here to hear a good show be being put, be put on and i don't feel today that our radio stations even try to do anything like that
1: no they don't and it's sad because you know even if you have somewhat of a you know some success to show them that unless you're accepted you know on a global platform on a global level and then you come back and then they'll jump on the bandwagon but Peoria's not a city radio wise that breaks their own artists like like Atlanta or St. Louis you know they'll put play local artists on the radio and that's where they blow up first and then it spreads nationally but it's backwards here for some reason. Yeah and
0: then also I feel like um we need youth in, in the radio stations. Like I've, I've applied at those jobs. I go to job fairs, radio stations there. I'm applying because I feel the interns are what bring the music in into the into the stations, and I feel that's what catches the eyes from the youth. And then the older people, they're not really in the communities. Like people here, as I've had an interview, I ask them, "Do you know where Power 92 is?" They don't know, and I feel that's a problem if you're an artist, especially mm-hmm. in this city where that's kind of the makeup of the stations like that's what everybody grew up on mm-hmm. so I feel that's something that maybe radio stations need to look at and I'm hoping that my platform does that takes a look at alright maybe we can hire some, not even me maybe somebody else to appeal to the younger audience that's a, that's a great point yeah so uh what are some of the things you went through when uh well you talked in the Sway interview I don't know if everybody's seen it you talked in the Sway interview that you left Peoria to kind of help you get to where you are now Mm. so what are some of the trials and tribulations you went through when you
1: left uh man just you know being from a different place and when you go to different areas sometimes it's hard to crack and people don't really accept you you know but if they don't know who you are and it's, it's really you know your first impression is so important to people so whether it's performing whether it's you know, being in a studio with other artists from different areas, like you really, I, I really had to make sure I put my best foot forward. And then once they see, oh, okay, I, you know, I, I see what he's working with now, now we can embrace him. But um, I think that being from Peoria and not having a sound that is distinguishable, people, is foreign to them. So when I go places, as soon as I, you know, they, they play my music or as soon as I talk, they're like, ah, you know, where is this, where is this kid from? So I think that's had has had an advantage for me, um, but you know, you know, you get rejected, you know, meetings with labels and things like that, and DJs, and just trying to grind. I mean, I feel like it's just the usual obstacles that somebody faces whenever they're pursuing their dreams.
0: Yeah, and uh, when you were doing it, it was I I imagine it'd be difficult versus today because now you know we got SoundCloud. Yeah. Labels they don't really have to work. Nah. No. You know, they could just go on YouTube and find their, whatever they want. So I'm assuming then you had a resume built. And what I mean by that is you were presentable with CDs and things of that nature, which is some of the things we don't have today. Because CDs Mm -hmm. are pretty much extinct. Yeah,
1: they are. Nowadays.
0: Now it's either hard drive or or email links.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: So when you left, where did you go first Um, city-wise?
1: First stop was Atlanta. And, you know, me and my brother talk about this story all the time. We pretty much just packed up. Joe to Atlanta and literally just stopped by every every single record label that was going on back then And we had CDs we had press kits, you know, and just taking as many meetings as possible And so when we got to Atlanta The last stop that we made was a label called Itchy Ichiban Records though. They don't even exist anymore, but um, They actually took us in and signed my brother to an international distribution deal on the spot. So he released a project called "Hustlers Make G's, which was distributed internationally. A lot of people don't know that because, I mean, the album didn't get a lot of acclaim because we didn't even have money to market it because back mm-hmm. then there was no internet. If you didn't have a big budget for billboards and radio play, no one knew it existed. Okay. Um, so that was the actually the first international project that I was ever on and that was because we made that trip to Atlanta and you know, made made something of it once we got there. Yeah,
0: that's dope. Yeah. And um, did, how close were you to signing a deal?
1: Well, I was under or that. even now? I mean, now there's, you know, there's definitely um, things on the table, but also it's different now with the advent of the internet. Artists don't really need a deal as much as they did back in the day. and And labels are realizing that. So what's on the table now for artists like myself are 360 deals. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, Yeah, so basically they take a piece of everything that you do. So show money, um, feature money, etc. But when artists have such a platform that, and like you said, CDs are non-existent. Everything is distributed through the internet, iTunes, streaming. If you got a strong enough online presence, you don't really need a label for that. Um, so, for myself, I'm trying to build my fan base and build my leverage to the point where if I do cross paths with the label, I can say, look, these are my terms. If not, you know, keep it moving. Yeah. So, uh, how,
0: did, uh, how was your music um, therapeutic to yourself?
1: Oh, uh, man. Um, I mean, it's just, to me, it's just a way of life. Anytime that I'm able to create, and I'm in the studio, or I'm writing to a beat. To me, it's like time stops, and it stands still, and nothing else matters to me. And like I, I stop thinking, and it's just a way of, um, I don't know. It's just it's like music comes out of it comes out of feeling. Nothing nothing bothers me. And you know, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do anything like that. So music is definitely my 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 outlet. And people always ask like. You've been doing this for so long, you know. You haven't, you know. I guess made it big or whatever. Like, what keeps you going? But it's just a way of life for me. I don't do it to to be famous or to make money. Like I do it because I truly just love it, you know.
0: And uh, how is uh, your creative process when uh, you're going into making a song?
1: Everything starts with the beat for me. So I get I get a beat and I just throw it on repeat. And just listen to it all day and night. Um, and then the beat tells me, oh, okay, this is this is what I need on the track. And, I, and and it just goes from there. And then once then, I I kind of mild out and get my pattern and how I want to flow over it. And once I get that cadence down, and then I put the subject matter to it. And the next thing you know, I got a song. Okay.
0: So, uh, can you describe your mindset when you made New-ish?
1: Yeah, New-ish was... One of the first songs off of my latest project and before that project I hadn't made anything in a while and I literally you know didn't have any new music so I was just like look you know that I made the song before even making the title or anything um, I wrote the bars and I didn't have a hook or anything and then I was like you know this is this is some new-ish you know and, and, and this is what I want to give the people and Hence the title. And that's how that came about. Okay. And, um, what are,
0: uh, who are some of the, um, producers you worked with on, uh, your project?
1: So, I, I've only worked with one producer from front to back. That's Johnny Quest, who's actually my brother, who actually got me into, to the music. And our chemistry is, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. All
0: right. And, uh, for DJs, uh, so, I, you know, what's his, uh, name for, uh. Global Initiative? DJ Fat Fingers. Yeah. yeah,
1: So he's part of the heavy hitters. He's actually Diggy Simmons tour DJ. Okay. And I met him out of New York a few years ago and we connected and stayed in touch and then we decided to do the project together. Okay.
0: What are some of the shows you've been to as far as um, to perform at or even to just network?
1: Yeah. Um, So performance wise I performed all over. Um... I performed a lot in Chicago, uh, a couple times in Atlanta. Last year, I did um, two shows in L.A. Um, one of the shows was probably my biggest to date. It was like sold out, 1,500 people, and they showed a lot of love out in Cali. And then, also later last year, I did my first international show. I did a show in Amsterdam, which was crazy. Um... And then, but as far as any, every city that I go to, I try to go to to a, a, um, a show or an event or something to network, and no matter where I'm at.
0: Have you ever uh, been to South by Southwest?
1: So I was just there the, okay. a couple a month ago. Okay. I got to perform twice down there. Um, yeah, that was a crazy experience. That was my first time there. Yeah,
0: I I, I want to go go down there because I feel that's like that's kind of the scene musically where yeah. it's not mainstream. Way.
1: Man, I'm telling you, any if if you can make it, that's definitely the place you want to go. Yeah. yeah. Who uh, were you on a
0: certain uh bill?
1: So I was. I performed on um Sixth Street at this okay. at a venue called Peckerheads, which is a, a pretty big venue there. So I was sharing the stage with like uh, Kid Kid and Black Youngster, oh, okay. and you know what I mean. Like, but you're you're just rubbing shoulders with these artists. Yeah. They're just you know roaming the streets. They're in and out of these spots. It's not like a a big deal, you know what I mean? There's just a lot of people down there, you know, doing it for the love of the music, so it was cool. Do you uh, still
0: remember the first feeling you felt when uh, you first performed?
1: I do, and I was scared to death. <laughs> I definitely remember that feeling. Um, and I think about that every time I, I before I go on stage, but I think I was, like, maybe 14, or something like oh, that. Man. Yeah, performing. Like I said, my brother brought me on stage, and I had a small part. And but it, even though I was scared to death, I and mean, that's that's when I fell in love with it for sure. Right.
0: And uh, so, how do you know when uh, you're ready to start making a song for a project, or does it just happen organically?
1: Yeah, it just it just happens organically. I never put a timestamp or a timetable on it. Um, like I said, I just listen to the beat. And I, I like I don't give myself a time frame. Whenever it flows out, it flows. There's sometimes i listen to songs or sit down there to, to create something. It's just not happening that day. So instead of forcing it, you know, I'll just come back to it and let it flow on its own.
0: Okay, and uh, what's your biggest song up to date?
1: Biggest song up to date will probably be a song that was released in two thousand, I think ten or eleven called Bobby. And that was on your first project? It was on the first project. Okay. It, uh, it was on World Star. It was featured on a few big um, blogs like AllHipHop.com and um, a couple others. I think it still has the most views of any video that I've ever made. So that was probably the biggest single song thus far. Okay, what's your uh, favorite
0: song
1: you've done? Favorite song is a song called Do It. Okay. And that is It's out on SoundCloud But I haven't officially put it on a project yet I'm actually saving that for my debut album uh, I'm gonna retweak it And put it on there But that's my favorite song A song that I can just listen to non-stop well, What's your least favorite?
0: If you have
1: one Yeah, I don't, I don't really have a least favorite song uh, There's definitely songs that I like more than others But I can't think of one that's my least favorite
0: Okay So, um like, how involved were you with like the behind the scenes of your of your of business? And what I mean by that is like you're you got stuff on that Piff, you got vlogs, like those are things that Peori doesn't necessarily know about.
1: Mm-hmm. So how involved were you in trying to make those things happen? Man, that's that's all me, and that's. Um... It's good and bad because a lot of times, I don't even want to deal with that stuff. I just want to focus on making music, and but I'm not to the point where I can hire people to do that stuff for me. So, that piff, blog submissions, um, submitting stuff to radio stations, all that literally is done by me. And that's it. I spend, I spend 90% of my time doing that because that's what it is. It's the business of it, marketing yourself, getting yourself out there, and 10% of the time making the music. So, yeah, that, that's all I me, mean, 100. Okay. Man. The
0: reason I ask that is because, like, we hear in this this decade of music that I'm currently, and I'm only 20 years old. So to me, the music scene has really been growing for the past two, maybe two and a half years. And those are things we don't necessarily know about. Like, people will put a song on Facebook. That's it. Mm-hmm. They don't market it. They don't know how to market it, or they feel they're too good to market it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why I wanted to ask you that, because you, you're very active on all social media. I went through your social media and seen what you do. Mm-hmm. You're very involved, and that's something that's a key to being successful.
1: Yeah, I mean, no matter how hot you think your music is, you can't, you're, not, you're not just going to put it out there and it's just going to take off. You have to get it in front of people. So literally, literally from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed, that's what I'm focusing my energy on. Because I know it's not going to happen just on its own. Just because I think I got this hot song. There's a million people that think they have a hot song. But whoever is working the hardest to get it in front of people are the people that are going to be successful at it. uh,
0: So what separates you from the next artist?
1: I think my sound... Is is a, a big separation, but I also think the way that I market myself my package um, Everything I try to do is is at the highest level of, of professionalism from the photos that I take from my album artwork to, to how I communicate with people um, you know, there are people that I meet that I already stand out to before they even hear any of my music. They're like, oh, man, I like this kid. You know, the artwork is dope. You can tell he he put time into it. He put money into it. He's from Peoria. He's all the way out here in Cali or he's all the way here in Texas so he must be serious about it. And I think it's just the way you approach it and people respect that.
0: Okay, and, uh, so, um, how do you feel about the state of hip-hop today?
1: Um... I think because of technology, it may be a bit oversaturated with music, and I think that has some pros and cons. I think that you know, if it wasn't like that, there's some artists that we may have never heard of. But then also, you have this pile of artists that you know are literally just making music just because they can, just because they're able to, not because they that's what they love, but they're like, oh, I want, I just wake up one day and I want to be a rapper. So I think it's it's difficult for artists with true talent to navigate through all that and separate themselves. But you know that that's the nature of it. I think you just have to to look at the positives uh, that the internet provides and use it to market yourself. And you know mm. just try to work as hard as possible. Because I'm gonna
0: be honest, it's, it's some terrible music out here. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, it's a lot and um like. I'm very critical of music. Like, a lot of people ask me of my opinion, so my opinion means something to people. Mm-hmm. And I'm very critical because it's like, you gotta decipher the bullshit, mm-hmm. really. And it's tough when, like you said, a laptop mic, I wanna rap. And it's, and it's like, a lot of people think Cheap Keef's good. Mm-hmm. I think he's okay. Mm-hmm. But when you see he, him make it, or Trinidad James mm-hmm. make it, in my opinion, those are not talented artists. They make it, it makes you feel like, oh, if he can do it, mm-hmm. I know I can. Yeah, And that kind of made it blow up. And now you have Future, who I like a lot. Mm-hmm. He dropped six, seven projects in a, in a year. Mm-hmm. Now everybody's trying to drop mixtape after mixtape after mixtape. And it's kind of, it's really hurting the genre, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So uh, I feel that you, you hit around the money with, with people. like They just feel they can rap. I don't see people like yourself. You said you don't do it for the money. Mm -hmm. a lot of what artists can really say that you know what I mean some people are just doing it for money yeah
1: and it shows yeah and and a lot of people are doing it for if you think about it like back in the day when I started it literally was about the, the the talent and the type of music you made before you even saw people's faces you didn't know what they did in their daily lives you didn't know who they were dating you know what i mean now i feel like it's a lot of that stuff before you even hear the music you hear about an artist because of what they did on social media or their rap sheet etc before you even know what they sound like so i think it's a lot of image that goes into marketing these days instead of the music itself yeah
0: and even with the image i feel that um uh, like when i speak of image i use rihanna as a Prime mm-hmm. example. I don't feel she's as talented as let's say uh, Jennifer Hudson, mm-hmm. but she has the image yeah. of a sex symbol that takes all that away, and I feel like that really is what gets people going—is everything but the music. Yeah. And the music industry should be about the music. Yeah. And it, it just like it's kind of frustrating to me because like my top three artists of all time: Jay Z, Ice Cube, and Big. There a lot. They're my top three. Mm-hmm. They were musicians. They were artists. You know, it wasn't about the image. And now, your song may be bigger than you. Mm-hmm. Was that a was that an issue when you were coming up? Where people were people more familiar with your music more so than the person?
1: Absolutely, because they didn't have access to the person like that. You know, they didn't. You couldn't even. Like I said, there are a lot of artists that I listened to for years had no idea what they even looked like, mm-hmm. but just because I li- I like what they had to offer. But now these artists, like, Rihanna's a great example. She has a marketing machine behind her. she can't lose. You know what I mean? She has a very smart people behind her that uh, put her in a position where she literally can't lose. And like you said, someone who may be as talented as, like, a Jennifer Hudson vocally and musical, musically, but that, you can't compete with that, you know, on the other side. Yeah, and
0: even with, for rap heads, like, I use Fabulous as an example. Mm. Fabulous has been around for Mm -hmm. Like, what, 96 Mm -hmm. maybe? And, like, he's never had a huge smash, but he's had smashes, Mm -hmm. you know? And, like, I don't feel he's been marketed enough Mm -hmm. to promote his music, but then you'll have a rapper who I, like Drake, Mm -hmm. who I feel is talented, Mm -hmm. but he can sneeze on a song right now. It's number one. Number one. And it's like, what classics has he had, like, album wise? Because mm-hmm. now he's been in the game since 2010, so now it's body of work. It's mm-hmm. not singles. Mm-hmm. What classic album has he put out to be mentioned with The Greats? And I feel Fabulous has classic albums. Mm-hmm. I agree. You don't have the machine, and, and it's kind of the tech like I felt technology would, would help that because you know, you can get on Instagram, but that's personal, that's not the music. Yeah. So do you feel like. Being a reserved person hurts your music.
1: Definitely. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I talk about it all the time, but, you know, that's just me. And that's just that's just that's just how I am. I'm not gonna step outside of my body and do anything that doesn't feel right or organic to me, just to get impressions, just to get my yeah. views up, just to to make noise. It'll it'll happen eventually. It may take a little longer, but I'm alright with that. You know, I'm not in, I'm not in any rush.
0: Like when I like went through your social media and I like seen how you were just through that, it reminded me a lot of Kendrick Lamar how okay. he moves because he's he's music. That's it. He's not really doing anything extra get a couple performances but like him and a J. Cole, the personal lives are reserved. They're not really dibbling dabbling on social media with it. And that's what I felt when I was going through yours. Because you you were very you're very laid back, but you are also strategic. You know you planning everything ahead. You're a couple steps ahead of everyone else. And I feel that's big for the industry. And because I think bars are coming back. Even though we got a lot of bullshit out there, mm-hmm. I think people who can rap are gonna make a comeback and it's starting to come through with guys like Kendrick Lamar, Jerry Sean. yeah. You know, I like ASAP Rocky a lot. Okay. I feel he's a lyricist, you know, all TDE. Yeah. And I feel like you you there with them, those guys when it comes to rapping. I appreciate you, it, man. You, you're very talented lyricist in my opinion. Man, yeah, I
1: appreciate that. Definitely.
0: And uh have you uh have you had any uh t- in touch with Montana at all? After 300
1: um, I've, I've ran into him a couple times in Chicago. And there was actually one point last year where where were some talks about me joining a few tour dates of his. But we, I mean, we've never really sat down and had a conversation or anything like that. Okay.
0: Have you ever, um, like, lobbied ghostwriting for main artists or been approached?
1: Um, yeah, yes and no. So as far as ghostwriting you know, I'm not opposed to it at all. And there are actually certain songs that I've created that I think, uh, oh, you know, that's not maybe something I wanna put out as an artist, but I would definitely sell that. Um, but I haven't really pursued that heavily as as much as me putting myself out there as an artist.
0: And how do you feel about um, ghostwriting as far as Let's say if not if you found out Nas didn't write "Ilmatic,"
1: mm-hmm. how would that affect you? That would That's bother what I mean me. By yeah, that that was that would bother me because here I, here's how I feel about it. I don't have a problem with it, but it's all about how you present yourself. If you present yourself as just a a big artist like a like a Michael Jackson or a Rihanna, like we all know they didn't write all that music, but the artistry and and what they bring to the table is is their contribution. But if you're a Nas, you're a Biggie, you're a Jay-Z, Kendrick Lamar, et cetera, you're a lyricist, then you should be writing that. And that's what you... If you're putting yourself out there as a lyricist, then I, I shouldn't see anybody else on your credit, you know, yeah, writing write your music. Exactly. So I just think of how you present. If you accept it, like, yeah, I'm an artist. I get help here and there. Then I'm cool with that. But if you are putting out this image like, I'm just this beast... You know, I'm, you know, then, then no, I can't, I can't respect that if you got people writing your music.
0: Yeah, because um, like, that's how I felt with Kanye. Mm-hmm. Like, as a kid, I didn't know Kanye had people write for him. Mm-hmm. I thought college drop, um, graduation was him, but Consequence kind of helped him as well. Mm-hmm. So then when he started giving artists like Dre credit, Andre 3000 credit, even Chance the Rapper, mm-hmm. I was like, well... I can't put him in my top 10 list mm-hmm. because it's other people, but I can say he's a top 10 artist mm-hmm. it's still because of his production. Because yeah. a lot of people look at uh, Dre as an artist yeah. and Diddy as artists. And that's like, yeah, because they do everything else. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, are you... Do you pay attention to the production side as far as... not Maybe not to the level of a Kanye, mm-hmm. but, like, as far as the beat picking, how you want to decipher a song and how you want to present it to people or you more so, let me just give the people what I wrote and uh, whatever the producer makes or the beat maker makes I just take my style and put it on, adapt to that.
1: Nah, no, I'm, I'm from top from to bottom top when to it bottom. comes to production, like like as much as I'm a fan of of, of and rap, like I'm am I'm may be even a bigger fan of producers and beats. Yeah. So there's even times where I'll hear samples and songs that I want to sample, and I bring them to, to Johnny Quest and like, look, we got to sample this, and I wanted to go like this and this this and that. Um, and I think that's why our chemistry works so well because we're both open to different ideas, and you know we both see eye to eye on a lot of things. But as far like I I'll be there from start to finish sometimes. Um, when it comes to beats for sure you were, uh, Global Initiative
0: had a, so a lot of samples on it. Definitely I, be- I believe you had a John Legend sample Or it sounded like him on there mm, On which one? Um, I can't remember the name of the song That's why I read That's why I take notes <laughs> I got it I got it on here Because I wanted to say I, I thought it was a John Legend I song. think I know
1: which one you're talking about But I just want to make sure
0: I think I want to say it was uh, uh either never knew or I want you to go.
1: I want to go, yeah. So that's uh, it. Kind of sounds like John Lett, but that's actually um a uh I think it's Wynton Marcellus. It was okay. a jazz a jazz musician. Okay. Yeah, that that sample and came from. That's
0: that's what I really liked about the projects, cause like I, w- I felt I was learning. Like I'm a fan of knowledge. Like, yeah. Anything anything I can learn, whether it's National Geographic, music, basketball, sports, anything, I want to know. So, when I was listening to your music, I felt I was learning. I wanted to know where these samples came from. Mm -hmm. And even what you were talking about, I was following it. I was very intrigued on what you were saying. So, I felt like it was a very appealing project to me. I
1: appreciate that, man. Thank you.
0: To be honest with you, I'm kind of disappointed in Peoria. Because, like, you should be very relevant and known out here. And, like, even when I talked to... um, Older guys. I have an uncle named T J, mm-hmm. and I talked to him. He knew exactly who you was, and I felt like I should have known who you was from the start. Mm-hmm. Me being somebody that's trying to get into this music scene and trying to become a radio personality, I gotta know these things. Yeah, know? and I feel a lot of artists here should really listen to your story because you could help artists. Yeah, that are trying to come up.
1: Yeah, definitely, man. I appreciate that.
0: So it's like. Do you feel... Like, when you take a step back, do you feel appreciative in your city? Or is that something you kind of necessarily don't pay attention to at this
1: point? No, I definitely pay attention to it. And, you know, there's... it's uh, I feel like there could be more. But I think my sound and my image... Um, I don't know. I, I feel like people haven't really gravitated to it as much as maybe some other artists just because of what I talk about, how I move, the way that, you know, I portray myself. Now nah, I could, you know, go a different route and, you know, promote the violence and drugs and, and, and hoes and, and go that route and, and, and attract some attention and probably get some more. But that's not how I want to do it. So um, like I said, it may take me a little longer or it may take uh, like they see me on Sway or you may see me here with somebody, then they're like, oh, now they want to pay attention because I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of that too. And even with, even with the Sway interview, now all of a sudden, all oh, people have been on my bandwagon and riding mm-hmm. me from the jump, you know. And, and and I'm cool with that. I'm not a you know I told you so or spiteful kind of guy, but you know I just do my thing regardless. That they can either hop on now or, or catch up later.
0: So, uh, how did the uh, Sway interview come about?
1: So what's crazy is I've been knocking on Sway's door for probably like the last three years, literally, um, on top of him. And so I actually got a chance to meet him at South by Southwest. They were doing a live tape in there. And I, um, I came through, got to meet him and, and the whole cast. And I actually got a chance to chat with him for, you know, a couple minutes. I gave him some music. Um, and he was just like, you know what? I, I like you, man. He was like, I like that artist the way you approach me, our conversation, he was like, You I know I, I no idea the amount of people that just are all in my face trying to give me music saying, oh I'm the hottest this and that. He's like, just based off our, off our interaction alone, I can tell you something special. He's like, I'm gonna check you out. And if I like what I hear, I wanna bring you onto the show next time you're in New York. So then I left to Austin, the South by Southwest and then i actually planned a trip to new york uh, for some other business and then it just so happened while i was there he reached out i was like yo you know i want you to come by is there any way you can make it to new york and i was like i'm already here yeah. and he was like man and then that's how it all happened so yeah. it was I mean it was it was 3 or 4 years in the works though definitely yeah.
0: cuz i have seen like like i said i'm real big on radio so i'm subscribed to all the stations so when that came up and I clicked it because I watch every interview just to learn how I need to do it Mm -hmm. and when I heard that and I seen it I was like yes like that was that was a great look yeah huge for Peoria and even even so, like even though it wasn't long, like it wasn't a 25, 40 minute interview, you got a chance to rap on Sweat in the Morning. Yeah. It's, it's it's big artists that are signed that are scared to come up there. Yeah. Just because they have to rap. Yeah. And he and, said that too. Yeah. And it was a great it was a great freestyle. Yeah, I appreciate it. And if it. Heather B likes it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's the stamp of approval. Definitely. Definitely.
0: So like how, how um uh, like you mentioned um. How you presented yourself and you approach them. How important is it for up and coming artists to approach people a certain type of way?
1: It, I think it's everything because now the industry's so inundated with artists that whenever someone famous uh, comes into a room, you know people are just swarming them, and then all on their face, I'm the hottest. Check me out, but feel like if you just open up normal dialogue and, and, and try to establish a relationship and build a rapport with somebody before you start asking them to do something for you, that, that that's night and day, you automatically separate yourself. And that's the one thing that I try to do. There's times where I meet people who are very influential, very powerful, and I first you know, my first interaction with them, I don't even tell them who I am. And think that goes a long way because people are like oh I didn't even know you did music I didn't know this or that and they're more open to it so like if you see someone and you want to 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 make an impression on them opening up a, a dialogue just normal conversation and um, build, trying to build a rapport or a relationship with them before you ask them to do something for you is very key Okay. and um, how important is um, the
0: quality of your music over the quantity projects
1: being put out? It's very important to me because, you know, I'm not really mainstream yet. So, if people just, they've never heard of me before and they just click play on, on a song of mine, that may be the first and last time they ever hear me. So, I don't want to just take a chance of them hearing maybe a subpar song of mine even though, I, you know, like like you said, the trend now is put out project after project, music after music. I'd rather put out less music, but I know every time someone clicks on something, you know, I, I can grab their attention.
0: Yeah. And the uh, reason I ask that is because, like, we have the laptop microphone era where we everyone wants to be a rapper. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite quotes to use is, uh, everybody can't be Kobe Bryant. Sometimes it's okay to be Derrick Fisher or Lamar Odom. Either way, you still win it. So it's like, we, some people aren't rappers, go ahead and learn to produce. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, what I'm doing, I'm not a rapper, so I'm trying to be behind the scenes and help people get on. Mm -hmm. So I feel that even we can put out a lot of bad quality music, but I I think that hurts everyone Mm -hmm. in a way. And I don't feel it helps even if you get, let's say, 20,000 plays on a song. But the song's terrible, Mm -hmm. then that really doesn't move the movement, the Mm -hmm. culture forward or yourself. I agree. And, um, so, uh, where
1: do
0: you see your uh, career um, a year from now in um,
1: the mainstream world or in Europe? I mean, a year from now, you know, I I definitely see um, a big spike in my career internationally, just because of the different opportunities and doors that are opening up for me. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't really like to, to speak on things unless they're 100% confirmed, but yeah. there's a lot of things in the works, and I think there's going to be a, a big difference from how people perceive Passport Lewis right now as opposed to a year from now, for sure. Okay.
0: And um, what's, um, like, a perfect situation for you as for a able to approach you, like, your dream situation?
1: My dream situation would be that I have enough leverage that a label can approach me and we can do a partnership. So not necessarily sign me as an artist, but sign me as an entity, as a brand. Um, So now independently, um, we have a a label called Global Group. And so I, I would like to do a partnership with me and another label for international distribution and radio so that not only I can put out my own projects, would bring other people in under my umbrella and
0: kind of like uh, like when you said that the first thing I thought about was Rockefeller, yeah, how Dame Dash did it, how they so it's like that, and um, Dre did it, you know, Young Money, things of that nature, exactly, exactly. Okay, so you kind of creative control is big, huge, you because I, I can't see you being one of those artists that sign and then get thrown on the shelf, yeah, so like, I think
1: you would hate that i i, I I've, I've worked too long and too yeah. hard to, to, to do that I, I i would stay independent before i let that happen yeah. definitely
0: and um how difficult is the independent grind really to people who don't necessarily know how difficult it is i mean it's
1: tough and a lot of it comes down to resources and, and finances you know um without having a machine behind you, you are that machine. Like I was saying before, 10% of my time is spent making music. And whenever I make music, that's like a vacation for me. Once the music's done, that's like, oh, now I gotta get to work, you yeah. know what I mean? So it's, it's tough. It's definitely not easy. It's definitely not something I would glorify, but it's more gratifying because I can look back and say, I did that. You know, I put that project together. I'm on sway because of, of the work that I put in. I'm on this blog because of how I was knocking their door down for months upon end. You know what I'm saying? And then there's nothing that no one can tell me because I have a direct connection and a direct relationship with these people as opposed to I'll get a hold of my manager and my PR and my publicist. I feel like yeah. sometimes there's a disconnect there, but I have direct relationships with these people.
0: Yeah, that's why. I, I, that's why I really really appreciated this because it was like, yeah, I had to go through my uncle at first, but then when you called I, it was direct, you know what I'm saying? And then I even I even went to your book and emailed yeah. just to make sure that I was presentable it was uh, real. Yeah. So I did all the things I needed and then when you called personally, that meant a lot to me. Because that was like, that's a, I feel like a relationship can be built off that than going through a middleman mm-hmm. where now it's like, it's the waiting game. You know, and I feel that could be very frustrating. Yeah. yeah. So have you ever been, like, thrown into a waiting game where you try to, say, get a feature or anything like
1: that? All the time. And that's why I don't do it, because I know how that feels. You know, if I, if, if someone reaches out to me, or even if it's through a connection, I'll just reach out to them personally. Because, like I said, I feel like it's a disconnect, and it's kind of cold, and, and, and it's not... um. I don't know like you said there's no relationship there between you and the artist and <clears throat> I hope that even when I become at a certain level that I'll still have the time to be able to do stuff like that because I, th- I think that means a lot and I think that um I think people get caught up in oh, talk to my manager or talk to this and talk to that it makes them feel like a big shot like they're you know what I'm saying and I've never really been off into that. And I I, I don't want to be perceived like that because I know how that feels. I've called, you know, um, different people for features or to to get booked on shows or et cetera. And it's always you got to talk to a bunch of people. And I play the game, but I know how that feels. So I would never want to make anybody else feel like that.
0: Yeah, because even on uh, Global Initiative, you didn't you had no features. No. And was was that calculated?
1: That was calculated. And the reason being is because... You know, while I'm trying to establish myself, I want to establish myself as an artist. And I feel like I'm talented enough to hold down an entire body of work. You know, you see some artists come in the game and they can't support themselves. They need a thousand features on each song. And, oh, this is such and such feature and that. Oh, now I'll pay attention. I want people to pay attention to me as an artist first. Then once I establish myself, then I can branch out and work with people that I really want to work with instead of someone who I think is going to get my song popular. yeah.
0: Yeah reason why I, I really, really like your, your music is because like you do present bodies of work. Like You gave the first project, I believe it was maybe 16, 17 songs, mm-hmm. and then Global Initiative was 11 mm-hmm. or, or 12. And I feel like when a label does come and a situation comes, you got a body of work. Mm-hmm. They may repackage it and, and throw it out there again. As for another artist who comes in with a, one, a banging hit, smash, then it's like, okay, now we got to get an album. Mm-hmm. That could have been that artist's first song they made, mm-hmm. but now you want to put out an album out via Trinidad James. Mm-hmm. He drops that one song, all go to thing. Look at him now. Yeah. And I feel you've put out enough work to the point where you've shown, like, all right, I'm serious. And each song has different content. It's mm-hmm. not the same. So when you go into a project, are you at a point where you're like, how can I reinvent myself? in the next project you're doing or is it more so stay the course and just continue to tell my story?
1: Well, I think it's a little bit of both and I think that's an advantage of not putting out so much music because I feel like there's if you put out two, three, four projects a year it's hard for them not to sound exactly the same but if you space it out I've grown as a person. I've grown as an artist. I've learned more, so automatically that's going to show through, you know, from the previous project. So it's not even a matter of of trying to reinvent myself or whatever. Like I'm just I'm just making the music that I would make at that moment, and it's automatically going to be different from my last project just because I've grown in life. You
0: know what I mean? Yeah, and I feel like that's why, like, when I hear like Cole, Kendrick Lamar, like when they release a project. They, do, of course, do tours, but mm-hmm. they can take a step back. Mm-hmm. You know, see them because they're living. They grieve. You know, you get a chance. Like, music, music's hard to make. You know, you just can't go to the studio. Like, I hate when I hear artists say, oh, I made 25 songs in six hours. I'm like, all right, out of 25 songs, what songs are different? Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of all together. Yeah. And I feel like when you take a step back like that, like, your next project, I can't wait to hear it. Mm-hmm. After hearing your first two, like, mm-hmm. I want to see what's different. But I understand you got to experience things beforehand. So it's not like, um, oh, man, he's taking forever. He's been took, it's been three months. He ain't dropped nothing. Yet. Mm-hmm. It's going to take time. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like like the way we're talking and the way we're having our discussion, this is stuff, this is more so informational to other artists on the come up out of Peoria and across the world. Because mm-hmm. this is valuable gems you drop here for people to know. And I feel that's very important. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, uh, what do you feel uh, Peoria is missing right now? If you uh, have you been paying attention to what's been going on today?
1: As as much as I can, whenever whenever I'm here. But I think that you know, I think unity amongst artists Mm -hmm. and support amongst each other. Because if you look at other areas of the country where they produce a lot of artists like Atlanta for example you know I feel like they turn out you know hit makers you know every year they, somebody new but they all support each other
0: Yeah.
1: and they all do songs with each other and it's, they're not trying to tear everyone down they share each other's music it's not I think here it's just me 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 I'm gonna come up forget everybody else I'm the best here and I think that mentality only gets you so far because I feel like there's never going to be another Passport Lewis. And if there's another artist in Peoria, there's never going to be an artist like that. So the, no one's taking my spot. And so so if I can help this artist and in turn they can help me, we can help each other, combine fan bases. And that's how you create a movement in a city. No one's going to... It's hard, I think, for artists to create a movement in a city by itself, by himself. And, and you look at other areas, people do it. It's a collaboration of, of different artists. So... think the unity and support is what's lacking
0: yeah because i mean we have um a sick movement here with a lucky ass dude Mm -hmm. a smokey iron rose a gbz a d lavish a Dizzy jones and we we have a lot and there's many more we have a lot of artists that are kind of in their own lane but if you went to the other side of town and you asked about that artist would people know about Mm -hmm. it and that's why i feel that's where the unity does come from Mm -hmm. we have a boiling pot of artists here we don't necessarily have a uh, direction we're going yet, but I feel that's where the opportunity of a riverfront show would help mm-hmm. or showcases would help. Things like that are very pivotal at a time where people here are trying or searching for a way to really be heard in the way out of Peoria. Mm-hmm. And I feel like your story is, is another way, really, because like you said, you're submitting, you're knocking on uh, labels' doors, you're doing things People here haven't even fathomed. Like, there, this song I just made. How are my homies gonna like it? Mm. Are the girls gonna feel it? You giving it to a radio station These guys, people, a lot of people here haven't even heard of these radio stations. If somebody hasn't heard of Sway yet, I, I feel bad. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's that's that'd be terrible. You've yeah. seen them on drum line. Yeah. You've seen them before. You yeah, know Definitely. And I feel like your story and the way you you're going about things is. It's something pure. It has to get involved in. It has to pay attention to.
1: Yeah, I mean, something I learned a long time ago, you know, making a song at your homeboys, is like, is that that got old to me so long ago. Because after a certain, like, if someone asked me, you know, for advice or whatever, um, and I've had conversations conversation with other artists before, I'm like, you have to figure out. How to get people that don't know you to listen to your music, or rep, or rep you, or it definitely starts with your core and your family and your friends, but that that can only get you so far. But if you can get someone who never heard of you before to be like, I like that, I'm, I'm going to share that with my friends, that's when it starts to spread beyond beyond your your location. Yeah,
0: and I feel that means more to an artist definitely. personally. They may admit it, but I feel a person inboxes you at, that song touched me a random person I yeah. feel that means more than your friends saying oh that
1: song was nice for example when I did my show in Amsterdam and you know these people had never heard of me seeing me before after I got off the stage people wanted me to sign autographs and ask them for CDs and hit me up on social media absolutely like these, this is a I'm, I'm totally a, a, a different country so when I can get that kind of love elsewhere, that means that does mean a lot more from someone. Because if my girl or my uncle or my cousin says my joint's hot, they're biased. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? They got love for me. They're not going to tell me, oh, you're trash. But if mm-hmm. someone that has no emotional connection with me until they hear my music and they're all on board, that means a ton. To me. And speak a different language. Yeah, exactly. How, exactly.
0: Did, how did that show come about? And what was your mindset When you you landed, you went to the venue.
1: Yeah. So that show came about, um, like, once I started doing shows in different parts of of the U.S., I started reaching out to other countries. And a lot of also artists don't realize hip-hop is so big in Europe, big in Asia, South America. And honestly, they're more, uh, I don't want to say they're... they show so much more love and support for the music, for the art. It's crazy. That's
0: why people from the 80s, 90s can go over there and tour. They can
1: go over there and tour right now and get money. I completely
0: agree.
1: And so I was like, I gotta tap into that. And so I started reaching out to different places. In Amsterdam a lot of hip hop comes through Amsterdam and the Netherlands. So I just started reaching out to different promoters, different venues, just seeing where I can land something. And um, this one guy was like, "Yeah, you send me some stuff." He's like, "I like it, you know. If you can get over here, let let's make it happen." So I made the trip over there, and once I got there, I, it was, I was like, it was my first time in Europe, and I was like, "This is crazy." that I'm actually going to perform in front of these people. I didn't know how they were going to receive me, and the energy is totally different. I was like, you know, I see why people tour over here all the time. It's, it's no one's no one's standing there staring at you. No one's. This, this, and that is just like all love over there. It's crazy. Yeah. So, where when you? How long was your set? My set over there was 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. And uh, they, so they just received the music. Cause I, I, would, I would imagine that someone they didn't know, mm-hmm. and it's a different language mm-hmm. over there. How were they, were they listening, or was it the beat that got them? Or, what, or how is your uh, live show? I haven't seen a live show, so I'm,
1: the energy, how is it? Yeah, I mean, a lot. I mean, I, I, I think a live show is, is, is more reminiscent of uh, how it used to be back in the day. Because it's just me on stage with a mic doing my thing. Okay. There's not a lot of, you know, I don't have 50 Extra. people on stage. Yeah. I don't have any of that. So I think that, they respected that. And then, obviously, the beat. And then, at Amsterdam, for example, a lot of people um, speak English. So they could understand, but a lot of the melody and the cadence is what catches people, okay. you know, as far as overseas shows are concerned. Okay. That that had
0: to be one of the one of the top moments so far. Definitely.
1: Definitely.
0: Yeah. What's your uh your
1: dream venue to perform at? Man, my dream venue to perform at would probably be Madison Square Garden. Square Garden. Yeah. 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 I seen um
0: uh, Snippets when J Cole headlined and yeah.
1: sold it out. Yeah, that, yeah, that was dope. Yeah, I, I think that's the, I think that's the pinnacle for sure.
0: Has um, has any uh like the Renaissance in Peoria, Illinois, Carver like Riverfront ever ever reached out for you to uh, do anything? Yet? Um,
1: I've, I've I've had some conversations about performing at the Riverfront. Um, it just hasn't lined up, yeah. you know, yet. But maybe maybe sometime this year. We Hopefully the summer be. Yeah. That'll be perfect. Right yeah. Around fair time. Definitely. Yeah.
0: So um, wh- what advice can you give? Even though I mean you've been giving advice the whole episode, but uh, what's uh, one thing you would want uh, new up and coming artists from PR to to know?
1: Um like I said, just know that, you know. There's enough room for everybody who's gonna make it. And don't be afraid to support somebody else. Don't be afraid to to unify and try to you know uplift someone else. But also you know don't be afraid to look outside of Peoria to to different areas. Even if it's in Central Illinois or the Midwest, don't be afraid to present yourself to someone who doesn't know you. You know so it can spread. You know because being popular in Peoria is only going to get you so far. And I'm all about repping, you know, where you're from and, uh, being proud of where you're from. But if you're serious about it, you know, you're going to have to step outside of your comfort zone at some point and you put yourself out there. Okay. And, uh, my final question
0: is, uh, do you have any, uh, upcoming songs, shows, videos, albums, mixtapes in the works?
1: Yeah. So I actually have a project that I'm going to be releasing called Customs and I haven't set a release date for it yet but it'll be sometime this summer Um, so I'm I'm getting my marketing plan together for that I I got a show in St. Louis this month, a show in Chicago this month and then this um, late summer, early fall I have two more shows in Europe I got one in Poland and one in Croatia so yeah I'm excited about those
0: Go ahead and uh, plug your information where it can. Uh, people can find you, get in touch with
1: you after. Yeah. So passport Lewis across all social media: Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter. Lewis is L O U I S. Passport just like it sounds. Also, you can check out passportlewis.com and SoundCloud is Passport Lewis. So just remember passportlewis and and that's how you get with me. Okay. Mine
0: is uh. Kojak underscore follow up on everything and also the follow up podcast on everything as well. And uh, man, I really, really appreciate you stopping by and hanging out with me and dropping gems the whole episode. That meant a lot. Man, I,
1: I appreciate being here, definitely.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed the uh, conversation as well, man.
1: Man, me as well. Definitely mutual.
0: So uh, this is the uh, follow up podcast. Kojak here with uh, Passport Lewis. And we out. God bless. Peace.